0: Warning, this podcast may get you a job in audio description, but I cannot guarantee that in any way, shape or form. It also may contain content that some listeners may find offensive and a bit of bad language. And, um, you know, this show's rated R for...
1: Radian
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> rated R only for pirates. Welcome to Seesaw Podcast.
1: With your hosts, T, Cleves, and Selena.
0: Every week, bringing some much needed balance and humour to brighten up what can sometimes be a dark, disabled
2: world. Welcome back to Seesaw Podcast, your one stop shop for finding a job. Your results may vary. This time around, we have part dose of our fantastic chat with Eric and Dakota from IDC Digital. But before we jump into that, we are going to see how or what people have been up to. Cleves? Eat and work and work and sleep. Okay, let's ask someone who might give a shit. Selina, <laughs> what have you had going on?
1: Do you know what? I've been watching The New Little Mermaid and I've been analysing the audio description.
0: I watched that, some's audio description. You what? I watched it without audio description. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Songs. it's French for without.
1: Okay, using in an English in...
0: language sometimes. Oh, man, every day's a school day, isn't it?
1: Mm. Um, it's interesting. I think they need to take some tips from IDC Digital.
0: Oh, based on what we spoke about last week in terms of describing ethnicity and background and that sort of thing. Does Not other...
1: oh. at all. Not yeah. at all. I got really confused because I didn't really realise why Ariel still had red hair. And I genuinely didn't know if I'd press play on The Wrong Little Mermaid, on um, if I'd put on the like original cartoon or the live action. I didn't know. It like, took me a while to figure it out. Hmm.
2: That's the description. I can't remember. Does it actually say that Ariel's black?
1: No. just says she has red hair, which what, what threw me a little bit. I was like, hang on.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a bit of an oversight. Uh, one thing I will say, it's not an advantage having sight to the level I do while also using audio description. Because, much like The Lion King, stop having animals with lip flaps, please, Disney. I it's
1: don't see creepy. a problem with
2: it. It's creepy. I don't want to see Sebastian the crab moving his jaw as a real crab.
1: Hmm. That sounds interesting Though, I wish I could see. But just yeah.
0: for that. Tony's used to looking at his crabs.
1: I do like Sebastian in The New Little Mermaid, though. Well played. Well acted.
0: Yes. yes. It was all well acted all round, to be fair. It's solid. I... Maybe Eric, Eric kinda of sucked. Prince I'm Eric that fair. is. Not Eric from IDC or myself. <laughs> a lot of Eric's out there. Most of them are great, to be fair. I've never really found a bad Eric. Apart from the Eric in, in this film. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, That's just yeah, he just wasn't played very well. I blame the actor. The actual character. Absolute lad me. Yeah, you know, I didn't think this would get into mermaid chat. Um no.
2: IDC? Uh to want a quick QBN just in case we need the time. Nah.
1: Nah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we led you down the papy.
2: Right. So this is part two of our great chat with Eric and Dakota from IDC Digital. If you haven't heard the first part, go back to that. This one is all about what you need to do to get into the business as well as how narration works. <laughs> Have you had any issues with contracts and providers of contracts where you provided uh, your services for them and they've come back saying, we're not happy with this. And like, Oh, cause they're the two sides of the coins there, whether you feel felt uh, that you have to double down on it and you think it's the right way of doing it. Or sometimes you might have thought that no, you're, being ridiculous and it doesn't have to necessarily be terminology this could be in general are there any times where you've had to really go back and forth with a provider
3: um you know most of those conversations are going to happen up front you know again every every company for the most part companies that are around that are established that everybody knows their names they have a style guide they're all basically similar uh, there there are some, there's weird, everybody has their own little weird things that you can and can't talk about or where they don't want to mention. There, there's one provider that doesn't want to mention cigarette smoking. There's another one that doesn't want to mention, Yeah, there's still some that don't want to mention the race of characters. There's some that don't want to describe, don't want to use anything more than PG language. Like it's everything we already talked about. So those conversations are usually held up front and the expectations are understood. Now. There are clients that come to us that are not major studios. They're not, you know, they're not a, a major streaming service. They're just an independent um, production company and they come to us and, and to their credit, most of those times we get a client that comes in and says, we don't know anything about audio description. They recognize that we are experts in the field and they kind of defer to us. Um, and then there's things they, they'll ask us, like the conversation we're having right now, I've had this conversation for, how do you guys handle race? How do you handle, you know, body type? How do you handle sex? How do you handle this subject matter or that and how do you pick a narrator how do you you know all these different conversations usually happen up front and and nine times out of ten through the conversation they appreciate our expertise and they will defer to us to do the best job possible so that kind of again it really eliminates that conversation on the back end to your point like hey this what the hell did you why is this you know why is this like this what the hell you do this for That again, usually, and we'll ask questions like, you know, if we have a question about a certain character, especially in today's times, you can't be too careful in terms of you don't want to misgender people. You don't want to, you know, mis mis misdescribe people, you know, with wrong pronouns or things like that. You have to, you know, if you have any question at all, just reach out and ask like, Hey, how do you want us to describe this person? You know, what's, what, what do you want? What approach do you want us to take? You're never going to get a hundred percent right, but you try. So to that point now, when we deliver stuff, we you know, there might be a tempt, we might make a mistake. We're not perfect if we mess something up in terms of um uh, misidentifying a character, in terms of like you know, calling them by the wrong name or something. That's happened, but like we fixed it, we move on. But as far as like big conversations about what the hell were you thinking that doesn't come up there. There have been times where I given my opinion to a client, Hey, I think we should do it this way. Or we've pushed back on the, the not wanting to describe race or sexuality or or what have you. And the client just doubles down and says, no, at the end of the day, the old, you know, cliche, the client is always right. Well, that's not always true, but the client is always signing the check and paying the bills. So Mm -hmm. you kind of have to give them what they want. Um, but again, 95% 95% of the time, clients these days, they recognize that they're coming to us. Again, there's plenty of cheaper companies you can work with than IDC, but you're coming to us because you you want a really good product. And there's a handful of other companies at our level, same thing. So when you're coming in the door, you you, you come to us for a reason and it's because you expect quality. And so they they tend not to meddle that much and just trust us and do our work. But there, there are there are, you know, it doesn't fall into coda. By the time uh, it gets to him, uh, you know, we, I kind of tell him, I've had my writers come to me and be like, hey, this is this is not right. We should be doing it this way. And I'll say, the code will tell you, I'll say, I agree with you, but just do it this way anyway. Because <laughs> yeah. it's out of our hands. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's basically it.
0: You touched on the company's sort of style guide, but also the narrator. My assumption on that would be that they have a sort of general idea of what they want the narration to be, but you get a final say on the voice actor of that so firstly when you're writing do you have a voice actor in mind do you have like people on the payroll that you think this would be the best person to do this or to do that within that sort of limitations that the company has given you or is it a case that you don't really have an actor in mind at the time
3: um Um, usually how it starts is we get the project in and i assign it to one of the writers now again i'm lucky where all my writers are amazing so i don't you know again i'll filter like a science fiction or a, a fantasy thing. Yeah, I'll probably have the code in mind for that. But if he's unavailable for any reason, then I can give it to anybody else. And then I have no fear that they're not going to step up and do a great job at that. I'm very lucky that way. So they'll start on the project. And usually, like, if it's a movie, halfway point of the series, once we get an episode or two in, I will then have a conversation with the writer. I will call them and say, hey, what are we thinking voiceover wise? And really what I want to know there is, is it as simple as we're trying to contrast, it's a lot of women in the movie and we want to use a man and vice versa, or much more importantly, are there any issues related to race in this movie uh, that we need to be aware of? Are there any, you know, are there any LGBTQ uh, issues in this? Are there any, you know, issues that, you know, where this would be inappropriate for a man to be voicing this? Hey, is this a British show? Do I need a Brit on this? Is it Irish? Whatever the case. At IDC, we have, I think last year I used 55 or 56 different narrators across across all of our projects. Included in those 55 narrators are 20 to 24 members of the blind and visually impaired community that we work with as narrators. And and again, within that 55, it, you know, not where we're constantly adding to the roster because we always want to make sure that we're being culturally appropriate. So, you know, it's a constantly, I just last week, I cast a Japanese woman because, You know, I have a Japanese man on the roster, but we needed a woman. So I went out and especially cast her for this particular project. And she'll do other things. She's not just limited to that. But we wanted to make sure that we had somebody appropriate for that one. So that's the conversation because a lot of studios, again, we don't operate this way, but a lot of studios, they just have, like I said, a man and a woman. And it's usually a white man and a white woman. And they describe everything. And the studio just decides to go with a contrast. You know, if we want a man or a woman. And that's just really especially in today's uh, uh, day and age, it's, it's falling short. Uh, it's really, there's no excuse for it. It's, it's, it's really, it, it's, it, you just don't care at that point. You know, if you're, if you're a studio right now making audio description and you don't have blind people on your payroll doing audio description narration, at least, I and mean, we have blind people doing QC work with us, we have, a, like I said like 20 plus people doing narration with us over the years and we're actually trying to onboard one or two uh, blind people, completely blind people to do audio mixing with us. So, you know, we can do it. And we're really a small company compared to some of these others. There's much, much bigger companies out there in the field than us. And they're not hiring any of these folks. And there's no good excuse uh, beyond the only real excuse you have is we don't give a shit. And that's not a great, uh, great answer, but that's all you got. Really at this point, uh, because I have said, and anytime I do a podcast and I've done a lot of these, I say the same thing. There's an article that just came out on LinkedIn last week that Liz Gubman wrote. And my quote in that is, uh, there's nothing proprietary about accessible workflows. And I believe that. And I've offered this up every time I've done this. And to the credit, a couple of people have reached out to me, some of my competitors. I will get on a phone call and I will talk to you about how we work with blind people and our process and what we discovered in terms of what works and what doesn't. And I will help you get up to speed hiring blind people. I that's the offer I make I will make time for you I will get on a call I'll get on multiple calls all you have to do is shoot me an email or shoot me a message on social media and I will make time for you if you're the head of a studio to figure that out again I have had a couple of people take me up on it and it's worked and they're working with folks and that's great and there's other people that are heads of major studios that are just ignoring that offer and ignoring that so yeah so all of that plays in to casting and our approach to everything but there's definitely a Definitely a lot of conversation amongst that. Dakota, did I miss anything on that? I'm sorry. I think I might cut you off in the beginning.
1: The
4: only word that I would have added when you were talking about only having a man and a woman, particularly only a, a white man and a white woman mm-hmm. on the, the cast, I would say that it does feel sort of a little reductionist. If you only have two options, there's there's
0: bound to be you know something that's left out. How is it different working with a blind voice actor to one that's fully sighted?
3: The workflow is different. And and again, when I jumped into doing this, uh, Liz, Liz and I uh, had a conversation right before the pandemic. We said, "What do we want want to do this year?" And I remember her saying, "I want to work with blind narrators." And I was like, "Okay, let's figure this out." And we were guilty at that point too, thinking that it was going to be too hard or it was impossible because they couldn't come to the booth. And you know, you know, again, just we were guilty of a little short sight in this as well. But we we committed to doing it. And then that's the one thing that the pandemic did was force everybody to work remotely. And then once that happened once everybody went remote, I was like, well now we got no good excuse not to be working with blind people because everybody's doing it this way. So let's just figure out. So we, we talked to Thomas Reed, who's uh, the host of a podcast called read my mind radio uh, in the States. a uh, phenomenal, it's, uh, it's a, he's a blind man. And he, he, um, again, his podcast is a lot, what you guys are doing about audio description and he's a phenomenal advocate in the field. And and everything else. So he was just that we, Liz and I were invited on his podcast. And I think we were probably just talking about his lack of opportunity and wanting to be involved. And we hung up the phone and I said, eh, let's, let's just do it. Let's do it with Thomas. And so I, I talked to him privately. And so we worked out a workflow with him that worked really well for him. It involved screen readers and, and specially formatted scripts and, and and great, worked great. And then we, we onboarded another blind person. And they, they were like, I don't want to work with with screen readers. I want to work with this this way. And we were like, oh, okay. Again, we were kind of short-sighted where we thought one size was going to fit all. And then we worked with another one. And it can't, like, So now we have like three or four different, some people want to use a braille reader. Some people want to use screen reading technology. We Some folks, we have a couple people that can actually uh, re-speak things as, as they're listening to them. So if we do a scratch track and give it to them, they can listen in real time, re-speak, the ad in real time for the narration, which is a skill that I will never possess. It's it blows yeah. my mind. It's like su- <laughs> it's like superhero shit. I can't even get my head wrapped around it, but but they come from radio. So they're used to doing that where they can, you know, doing live spots on air and stuff. So again, so we we have like three or four different workflows, but the, the general one is, is, it's a little different, whereas it's instead of, although we have done in session live records with, with blind folks, we've had people in the booth and we've done live recordings with them. So I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but that's not the majority. The majority is we specially format the script into whatever format they want. We send it to them and then we coach them through Zoom or through a phone call and kind of tell them and then they kind of they'll record the lines on their own and send them back to us and then we kind of puzzle it together so that's that's the workflow generally for that but we we have done live sessions as well it's really up to the to the as long as the person has a professional sounding setup you know which is a big part of it i get a lot of people contact me say i want to do ad i'm blind and i say okay great what kind of mic do you have you know what what kind of what kind of preamp do you have what kind of headphones what, how's your space treated you know for soundproofing and a lot of times they'll just that's the end of the conversation and then I've had other folks say, help me get that sorted out. So we do. you know. I've, I've helped, again, I've onboarded and trained probably 15 to 25 different folks from the community at this point, and not, you know, at all different levels. Some people came in really set up well. There's folks in the community that have that been doing this for, you know, we are not breaking ground. There are blind people out there that have been doing voiceover for audio description for, for decades. You know, they're out there and they've been out there. But as a major studios, but mostly they've been working independently. Or for one particular company, so it's it's been it's been hardening now to see some of our major descriptive video works. Uh, Reese Lloyd is the head over there. He has really, you know, to his credit, really made the effort the last few years to really jump in and into and onboard and train and, and utilize a lot of blind people and, and blind talent in different areas. So, shout out to Reese for sure. And other studios are coming along uh, slowly but surely. And then some are not moving at all, and that certainly needs to change. And they need to be held accountable for that. I think.
0: With regards to the actual recording, based on any voice actor, whether it be because it was the wrong casting choice or whether the sound setup was wrong or simply because when they did the reading, it was just terrible and they fucked it up. Has there been any points where you've had to redact part of what you've submitted or completely take everything back?
3: I've certainly onboarded people, given them stuff. And it's come in and it hasn't been right. Like Thomas, for example, with the first project we did was a show called skin decision for Netflix. Uh, it's a reality show, plastic surgery, I think, or something. And, you know, I gave him the the, the script. I gave him the notes. I told him, already, this is what I want. He sent it to me and it was completely wrong. And I reject I said, dude, this is no good. Do this over. And we had a conversation and he's all right. Cool. because He wanted to make it right. So, so yeah, so we've had that. Um, there's a project coming up for Netflix that again, we can I can't go too deep into it, but it's known that we're working on it. It's called All the Light We Cannot See. It's an adaptation of a, of a novel, and that'll be coming out this fall. And uh, we're working with a narrator by the name of uh, Fern Lulham. So when we started working that with Fern, uh, there was definitely the first episode, especially we were working and in, in she and I were having conversations about, hey, no, let's do it this way instead of that way. And, and so, yeah, some stuff came in and I said, no, let's try this again. And there was a dialogue back and forth. And to her credit, she was really wonderful about redoing it because, again, we wanted to make it right. Now, as far as sighted narrators, I've had people call me and say, hey, I'm the best narrator. I can crush this work. And, you know, I, I, I've i got this list of credits and yada, yada, yada. And I bring them in and, yeah, they just flame out. Like they just can't do the work. It's a skill like anything else, cold reading and your ability to to to, to work in this field. I've had people that go in the booth first time and they're, they, it's like they're doing it for 20 years. And I've had people go in the booth that have a list of credits as long as my arm. That you know, within with within one episode of an eight episode series, I have to have a tough conversation with them and Sam. Star, we're gonna have to go in a different direction with this. It's just not gonna work out. And we've had some where you know I screwed up. You know, I, I cast somebody I thought was the right choice, and then I heard the track. Not that they did anything wrong per se, but when the track is done, I go eh, I didn't get that one completely right. Now, to my defense, I've done ten thousand of these things, so you know I'm not gonna bat a thousand, but I've got it. I've got it right a lot more than I've gotten it wrong in my career, but there's certainly been ones where i was like yeah that wasn't right and frankly i've had clients insist on we want to use this person or that person and i've said gently i don't think that's the right decision and and they they've insisted that we use a certain narrator and the track i don't like now the writing's great because again i have the best team in the world for the writing and the mixing is fantastic but the, the voice itself does not fit and so sometimes i've taken heat like hey why the Why'd you idiots cast that person or this voice? And I'm like, and I, I can't say, well, because the client wanted it. I just have to fall on the sword and go, sorry, our bad. Let's let's next we'll try to get it better the next time. So there's all those things that do happen. But you know, again, we have 50 different people in our rotation. And so at this point, most people that work with us have done more than a couple projects, you know. So one if you hear somebody on a track with us more than a couple of times, that means they're pretty good and we like them and and they're 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 pl- they're pleasurable to work with. That's a big part of it too. They're not, they're not jerks. And they do a really good job. And so we'll bring them back. Now, within that said, there's funny, like I have narrators who on social media, people will bitch about like, oh, I can't stand this narrator. You know, why are they using this person? And then somebody else will come out, you know, a couple of days later and be like, oh, I'm so happy this person's voicing it. Same person. This is my favorite narrator. I'm so happy. So you take somebody to, you know, I always say this, you take 10 people for ice cream, somebody's going to complain about it. You know what I mean? So you can't please everybody. So you just do the best job you can, and you, you try to get it right more than you get it wrong. It's the best you can do. But you're never going to make everybody happy.
2: You you mentioned that you're always looking for, for new talent. If you had any advice for any aspiring listener, who may be visually impaired, may have another disability, if they're looking to get into this field, what's one piece of advice you would give them to like get their foot in the door?
4: I guess I would say from the writing side, I would probably say expose yourself to as much audio description as you can and just sort of get a feel for what seems to work and what seems to not work and the habits of the other writers that are considered the better writers in the industry and talking with the community and just sort of figuring out what people like the most and what really doesn't suit the audience very well. And then obviously just practice, even if it's not something that you're getting paid to do, if it's something maybe try a a show or a movie that you really enjoy yourself. And therefore you can just sort of get some practice in while also enjoying a piece of media that you might otherwise watch anyway. And, you know, just get your feet wet and try some things. Maybe some of them won't work out. Maybe some of them will. It's all part of a learning process.
3: Yeah. I'd say for, you know, for writers, I would say curiosity helps. You know, if you're a curious person, you like to learn about a lot of different things that'll that'll help you in a career and audio description because you're not going to just to get to work on stuff you like you have to be open-minded to a lot of different things you know you're gonna you're gonna be forced to, to work on stuff you never would watch uh, for any other reason uh, i would also i would just caution people generally uh, manage your expectations there, there's a lot of in terms of financial reward because there's a lot of areas in this business where you can make a hell of a lot more more money than audio description nobody's getting rich doing this now i make a nice salary i I make a living i'm not complaining but you know we have a lot of people come in and say they think this is going to be a great side hustle or something and they they wash out pretty quickly because it's it's not easy at least not the way we do it we have a standard there's certainly ways to to cash a lot of money quickly in this but you're not doing good work so if you want to do good work that's that's something different i've had I've had a lot of writers come to us a lot over the years and with, again, with with literally a hundred credits to their names and they do one or two projects with, with us and they quit because, you know, we, we hold them to a much higher standard than to what they're used to. One person quit, told me your, your standards are too high. I quit. And now that person is one of the leading teachers in the field. So figure that out. So you know, as far as that goes, the writing take take a good course from a good professor, uh, Liz Gutman and Colleen Connors. They they teach um, audio description training retreats, level one. Liz teaches with Colleen. Uh, you, you're not going to get a better crash course. Yeah. Now, again, it's it's not cheap. It's uh, it's an investment. If you're serious about a career in audio description, it's definitely not inexpensive. I mean, you don't have to take out a loan or anything, but it's it's definitely a coming in of, of money. And take a good take a good course from somebody like a Liz Gutman and a Colleen and and you know and then you might see you might like it you know it, it's everybody so that's that's what I would say be reasonable in your expectations take a solid training from a really good professor and then um, practice as far as voiceover people we talked to, we touch a lot on on what goes into that you have to again have a professional setup you know anybody can read copy or or you know or, or somehow digest the script and repeat it. But you need to have, again, a professionally treated space in terms of soundproofing. You need a a good microphone. You have to spend a fortune on it. Uh, We have a microphone. People ask me, what's a good microphone? Rode NT1A. That's the microphone. It's $199. I can't tell you how many of our voiceover people at IDC use it for their home setups. In studio, we use some obviously more professional, like higher priced professional mics. But the Rode NT1A for home recording We've had tremendous success with it. It's $199. You need to get yourself a preamp. The Scarlett single preamp, I think it's $129. So there's your setup. and you get a mic stand. You're, you know, your mic, your preamp, you're looking at $350. So it's not a huge investment soundproof your space you know you can build something you know one of our our vo people sri gordon who's done a lot of stuff with me does a lot of work with us probably the most work with us does squid game and, and a ton of other things with me she went to ikea and bought like a wardrobe like a portable freestanding wardrobe and treated that and turned that into an audio booth for herself so you can get creative you don't have to spend you know you don't have to spend money with carpenters to build that, but you can figure it out well closets there's a lot of closets in use out there for for voiceover so that's it. Make the middle. If you're going to come to me and say, Hey, I want to do work with you as a voiceover person. And I tell you, send me a demo. And it sounds like it was recorded on an iPhone in the middle of traffic. I'm not going to hire you. Like it's a professional <laughs> pursuit. Approach it professionally. Again, I'll work with you, especially if you're, if you're blind or low vision, I got a lot more patience for you, a lot more tolerance. I will work with you and help get you up to speed. But if you're a fully able person and you're just too lazy to, to take a couple steps to approach things professionally, I'm, I'm probably not going to spend much more than one conversation talking to you. I, again, we are really well-stocked at IDC. We have, again, 50 people in the rotation. If I tell you what, here's some advice. If you're a minority of some sort, put your photo on your webpage. A lot of people have taken their photos off their webpages because they, they want to be known only for their voice. Well, it's 2023 and advertisers and studios, diversity is a cool thing these days. So don't hide from the fact that you're diverse. Put it out there. Because if I'm looking for an African-American woman or an Asian woman for a part and I go on and your name is, you know, I'm not going to assume what you are by your voice. I'd like to see your face. I'd like to be able to know. And my clients want to know, hey, is this being voiced appropriately? This is the person voicing this the proper choice. You know, one of our competitors just did a track for somebody in the book. It was a book about a young black girl's hair and they turned it into a series and they hired a white middle-aged woman to voice it. And that was an inter- incredibly bad, lazy choice. And they've gotten a lot of blowback for that, and rightfully so. So I've heard stories where a narrator was brought in for a project. Uh, it might have been the same studio. Uh, you know, I am going to talk tales out of school. Different narrator, though. And the narrator, her credit was like, hey, I'm the wrong person for this. This should be a black woman voicing this. And the studio said, well, we don't have any black women on our roster. Well, yeah. fix it. There's plenty of studios out there that don't have the diversity that IDC has. Get on them. You know, uh, Ren Leach is great at this. He's a, he's one of our blind narrators and he's phenomenal. He did uh, cabinet of curiosities last year for Netflix. He's got such an amazing voice. Ren just calls up companies and says, Hey, you don't have any blind people working for you. You should change that. And I can help you change that. And many have said, uh, you know, he pesters them enough where they say, okay, great. So again, if you're a diverse <laughs> narrator, call up these companies or email them and say, Hey, I noticed you guys only use this white guy and this white woman. Are you interested in maybe using an Asian woman or a black woman or a gay woman or, you know, or whatever the kind of person you are? Man, too. I'm not saying it has to be women. You know, if you if you see a company that is clearly not being diverse and you're a diverse person and you can offer some diversity, hit them up and say, hey, I'm here. What's your excuse for not working with me? Shame them. They deserve to be shamed. And that's the way things happen, especially change, especially in in areas of of disability, you know, or, or minorities or things like that. Traditionally. It takes a lot of pressure and you have to keep your boot on their neck, so to speak, and make enforce them because if left alone. They're not going to, they're not going to move because they're lazy. And to my point earlier, they generally don't give a shit. So that that's, that would be my advice. Be vigilant, be professional and manage your expectations. Incredible.
2: I think we'll uh, leave it there for now, but thank you both. It's been absolutely incredible to to learn about audio description. I use it. Please uses it. Selena uses it. And to get that insight is frankly amazing because there's so much to it that I didn't really realise was a thing. It's yes.
1: been really fascinating, like listening to it, and I think just spoke tongue for myself, but I'm sure a lot of the community as well were very guilty of just grumbling at the fact that audio description isn't on something, and then just happy to see it on a program and not actually thinking about the quality. And it's great that you guys are thinking about. The actual quality of audio description. So great work, and you know, you're setting the gold standard. And appreciate it's an
3: excellent. It's an excellent point, Selena. And that's that's I say this all the time. It's and this is not. It's 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 not unusual because for 25 years or more, the blind community was made to feel grateful for you know any scraps of audio description they were given. Like there was so much that was undescribed that anytime it did pop up, they were just so happy uh, that it was there. And I think those days. Are, are behind us. Like don't just focus on quantity because that's when really subpar providers get in the mix to just crank it out as fast as possible. And that's not what you want. So I tell blind people, I know for years you were, you were expected to to expect scraps and be happy with it. But now it's time to, to, d- to demand a seat at the table and be served a full meal and dessert and, and everything else that goes with it, because uh, there's no excuse. The difference between the, the difference the, the money being paid to us at IDC and the money being paid to the companies doing poor work is almost identical. So you have to ask yourself, well, what's going on then? And the, what's going on is that the companies are just cutting corners and doing as fast as possible, the churning and burning it just to crank it out to maximize profits. And we don't do that. We focus on quality and, and other companies too, as well. So that's the other thing I would tell people. And the last thing, and I promise I'll shut up, is that a lot of times what the community does is they complain rightfully so when things are bad. Right. When things are bad, people go online. That's what social media is for is complaining. Right. So they go on and they complain and complain. This track sucks. This voiceover sucks. This company does shit work. Okay. Great. And that's the end of it. But what you want to start focusing on is saying, Hey, this track's great. This company does good work. This voiceover guy, this sounds good because what clients, clients see the complaints, but they don't always know where to take it to. They don't know, like, okay, they're not happy with this, but how do we make it better? So, if you put both out there, hey, it's a company A, instead of hiring this provider, why don't you hire these other people? They do better work, because again, the rates are about the same. so that's what I've encouraged people. Complain yes, but also give some shout outs once in a while. You know start t- talking about stuff you enjoy, and I promise you the work will filter its way around to the companies that are doing it well, because the clients it's the same money, and they' rather they'd rather be you know, not yelled at, but they don't always know where to take it.
1: Definitely. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you, thank you guys so much.
3: Thank, thank you both. Thank
1: you for having you. Really Cut to black. Do you think that's good audio description voiceover? Will I get a job with IDC Digital?
0: You need to get inside a cupboard, like they were talking about, with that person uh, and buy yourself yeah. a closet.
1: How yes. good was that chat with Eric and Dakota? Like, learned so much. Really interesting. So much more. Like, we want to know. i looking forward to doing a. Seesaw Cinema.
2: Absolutely. And I haven't chosen a film yet.
1: No, but I want to do their one of all the light we can't see or whatever it's called. I think it's out on the 3rd of November. I've looked it up and I want to do it on our show. Okay. Let's do it.
2: Sounds good. Beach, want to sign us off?
0: Awesome
1: chat all around. And
0: we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Seesaw Podcast. Your feedback and comments mean a lot to us, so if you'd like to get in touch, you can do so in the following ways. You can find us on Twitter at
2: SeesawPod, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube at Seesaw Podcast. And you can also join us at SeesawPodcast.com.
1: Remember to like, rate, review and share with a friend.
2: This podcast was recorded in front of a blind audience.
1: Cut to black.
2: And Selena can bring us back. Do you want to do That's that what again? I'm saying.
1: I- that was my bringing my back.
2: Okay, do you want to do it again? Because I was oh, getting impatient with that God. huge gap there.
1: I was li- given editing time. Yeah, he's only 30 know. seconds gap, does he? <laughs> Just trying to help Cleves out, God.